Mission Mobilization Chats with Ryan Shaw, Multiplying Mission Mobilization Movements. This podcast is powered by Global Mission Mobilization Initiative. Subscribe, watch, and listen on YouTube today. Find more exciting resources, teachings, and tools for mission mobilization on globalmmi.net. Welcome to Mission Mobilization Chats. This is episode number nine of looking into cutting edge concepts related to missions and related to mission mobilization within our denominations, our organizations, our local ministries. So in our last episode, we considered the concept of calling local ministry leaders. Remember, we looked at the primary responsibility that local ministry leaders play in the mission mobilization process. So if the global church will see multitudes of local ministries raised up who are being mobilized and equipped for the Great Commission, it will be because of the deliberate decisions that local ministry leaders are making. So in this episode, we want to look at a biblical blueprint that God wants to use as part of his mobilization process among believers globally. We can even say among all believers globally. So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 to 8 and the shaping process that God led Isaiah through to prepare him to be ready to respond as he did in verse 8. We love verse 8 in missions where the Lord, the whole Trinity actually says, who will go for us? We love to preach that message, but often we don't actually talk about the preparation process that got Isaiah to the place where he could uh, passionately respond, here am I, Lord, send me. So we're going to look at that process to understand all of the pieces of it, not just the final, the final call that we all like to, to talk about. No, the first processes or all of the processes throughout that passage are very, very important. And they reveal the exact same process that God is going to use with you and that God is going to use with me and millions of other believers to mobilize and to equip us all uh, into his great commission. So this passage, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, it opens us up actually to see the critical developments that God will use to lead his uh, children through in order for us to be able to carry his heart, to be able to carry his vision rightly as we go out into the world, as we go out into missions. And so every church needs to be revealing this process to their members. Every church, every pastor should be uh, committed to helping disciples, helping believers in your local ministry to identify this process and to embrace it. Now, to identify it is one thing, to willingly embrace it and to say, God, take uh, my people, take me first, and then take my people, take disciples in my ministry, take us through this process. We want to embrace it for the glory of the Lord. That's a whole other thing. We need to do both. We need to help our people identify it, to see the process, and then to say, uh, you really want to embrace this. You really want to ask God to do these processes in you and through you 
so that you can be prepared to answer and to respond. And remember, we're not just talking about a few professional missionaries or the word we use, message bearers. We're talking about God raising up millions of mouthpieces that are just like Isaiah was as a mouthpiece to, to uh, the people of Israel. God is now saying, I want to raise up millions of my mouthpieces to all the unreached peoples. So don't have in your mind that he's talking about uh, raising up a few uh, professional message bearers. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about seeing millions raised up, normal, everyday disciples, just like you, uh, who God wants to use among unreached peoples in different places. So Isaiah could not have been God's mouthpiece until he had experienced God in his awesome and his terrifying reality. Now, what's important about this is to recognize we can never take others farther in God than we ourselves have gone. That's a very important spiritual principle. So that's why Isaiah had to reveal uh, or God had to reveal himself to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah in this awesome and terrifying reality because he needed Isaiah to go deep with his own heart so that then he could take other people uh, equally as deep with God. We can never take others deeper in God than we ourselves are willing to go. And that's what the Isaiah 6 blueprint reveals. God wants to reveal to the unreached peoples of the world himself. How does he want to do that? He does it through us, through you and through me. But we can't take them further than we ourselves have gone with God. This is why it's so necessary to embrace uh, kind of a going deep with God process that he wants us each uh, to go through. So Isaiah had to experience God in his awesome, in his terrifying reality so that he could then, Isaiah, take multitudes of others through that same process so that they could themselves encounter God in a very uh, meaningful and fresh way. So this account of Isaiah chapter 6 is in the Bible to teach God's children this interconnected relationship between personal revival and then uh, the outworking of the power and love of God through those who are experiencing God. So God wants to revive us. That's step one, number one in this whole Isaiah 6 process. He wants to encounter us so that we are revived and then we are going out into the world through his power and through his love and revealing that power and love through a life that has been revived by his own hand. This is one of the key lessons uh, that we learn. Actually, this is the foundation of growing with a mission's heart. The foundation of growing with a mission's heart is recognizing the connected relationship between us being revived in God, being renewed in God, being revitalized in God, having these renewal encounters with God, and then having God's love and power revealed through our lives, touching many other uh, unreached peoples even. This is the foundation for us growing in a mission's uh, heart after God. Now Isaiah's experience in chapter 6 can be broken down in three distinct phases. So the first phase is uh, Isaiah receiving the revelation of God's glory, seeing him high and lifted up in verses 1 and 2. 
then that leads us into the second phase in verses 3 to 7, where he encounters God and God's holiness. God is a holy God. And until we realize and encounter God as the holy God, we will not be able to effectively be his mouthpiece among other uh, unreached peoples that God wants to reveal uh, himself to. So the second phase is this encounter with God's holiness that leads uh, Isaiah to personal or true repentance, we can say, and to a personal cleansing of sin. That's all part of the phase two uh, in this encounter that Isaiah has. Then the third distinct phase is God asking the question. This is the one we're most, the part of the process we're most familiar with, where God says, who's going to go for us? And Isaiah enthusiastically responds and says, here am I, send me. That's in verse 8. Now we want to look at each of these three phases in a little bit of detail to see how they relate with us and how they connect with this mission mobilization process that the Lord wants to lead us through. So phase number one, this is found in verses one and two, where God reveals his glory to Isaiah where Isaiah sees the high, and lifted, uh, the high and lifted up God in all of his beauty, in all of his glory, in all of his holiness. So this, the emphasis of this encounter was God revealing the greatness and essence of who he is to Isaiah. He is being shown the essence and the glory and the greatness and the splendor and the might and the holiness of who God is. Now, many people throughout the scripture have had such a, uh, a divine encounter as Isaiah had. Moses had it, you remember, with, when he's before the burning bush, when God was re uh, revealing to Moses the same kind of uh, elements that he's, re uh, that he's revealing to Isaiah. The, the reality of his greatness, the reality of his splendor, the reality of his holiness, the essence of who he is. So it is pivotal that God's people, that we as God's people, that we have a right experience of God in his manifest glory. You will not be able to be used of God. It will be difficult for you to be mobilized if you have not yet had one of these encounters with God. That's why these are so important. That's why they're in the word of God and they're all over the word of God. All of the, the, the people of God, all the leaders uh, in Israel, in the New Testament, all of them had these kinds of encounters with God. You need to have an encounter like this with God. I need to have an encounter like this with God. So these experiences cause us to behold the majesty of God. And we see him high and lifted up, just like Isaiah, uh, Isaiah did. And we recognize that he knows us. That was one of the things that Isaiah experienced, uh, that it wasn't just God out there in his glory, but this God who's so glorious and so powerful and so, so righteous and so good. He knows me in intimacy. He's directly connected with me. And so what this does is it moves us beyond sometimes our small and low views of God. How many of you know we are guilty in the body of Christ? of often having a very small, uh, limited vision of what God is really like. And this is one of the reasons why mission mobilization has often suffered. Because if we're going to mobilize the people of God out into the world and engaging in this great commission, they have to see God rightly as He really is. Not as they might imagine Him to be 
All of us, when we think of God, we have a mental picture that gets developed in our mind's eye. But if that mental picture is not uh, uh, informed from the Word of God and the reality of what God is like as He reveals Himself to His people in His divine glory and splendor, then we will not be able to be mobilized out effectively because we're going we're gonna to have all these questions about me. But when we see God rightly, when we have a right view, a right experience of who he is in his glory and splendor and power, then when it comes to the who will go for us, then we can rightly say, okay, I don't care about myself anymore because I've seen the glory of God. I've seen him high and lifted up. I want to live for his glory, not what it will cost me, not how much sacrifice might be involved. Those things no longer matter for those who have experienced and encountered God in his greatness and in his beauty. So we need to move beyond our low visions of God. We need to ask God, God, give me that same experience as Isaiah had. I want to see you high and lifted up. I want to see the train of your robe filling the temple. I want to see your glory. Lord, show me that glory. I have prayed that prayer so many times in my Christian life over uh, 25, 30 years now. I've prayed that God show me your glory. God, I want to see you as you are. I don't want just kind of this, this mental picture that I've created in my own imagination about who you are. No, Lord, I want you to be shown in your splendor and in your glory. Now, what happened to Isaiah following this vision is that he was ruined as a result of seeing God high and lifted up. He was never, ever the same again. So he was motivated in all that he did in ministry following this divine encounter with the living, exalted Christ. He was motivated in all of his ministry now from that day forward with this right view of God based in this experiential knowledge that he had in encountering uh, the risen Christ, the living God in this way. And so he was able to reveal that to all those that he ministered to. That's why this is so incredibly foundational. If we're going to move out in missions among unreached people groups, even in our same city, if you go across the city to reach out to another cultural group that are an unreached people, you need to do so from an experience and from words of encountering God. Not just your own words uh, of, you know, kind of, well, I know a few verses. I've memorized a few of them. That's good. That's important. But how much more important? Encountering God and then speaking forth the words of true life that come out of that encounter that you have had with God. That's what made Isaiah so effective. So this encounter with the living God that Isaiah had, it also gave him endurance. It gave him perseverance. So that later in his ministry, when he went through very trying uh, circumstances, like you will, like I will, there are very challenging circumstances, adversities that we must face. And as we face those, the question becomes, will I have the endurance necessary? Will I have perseverance to go through the difficult stuff or will I falter? Will I draw back? Will I give up? Will I give in in the midst of those circumstances? How many believers give up and give in at the first sign of difficulties, the first sign of adversity, the first sign of temptations? We falter so easily. 
One of the reasons is because we haven't experienced God as Isaiah experienced God. This is so crucial. So these kind of encounters become a memorial stone. I'm sure Isaiah 10, 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years after this event happened with God, I'm sure he looked back often on it. If he was a journaler, maybe he journaled it. And then he looked back many years later and he remembered it. He remembered the fine details. I'm sure his mind was able to, to recall all of the details about seeing God high and lifted up, seeing the train of his robe filling the temple and the glory of God and understanding what that meant. So it becomes a memorial stone, a time when we can look back in the midst of difficulties so that we're encouraged not to give up. When we're tempted to give up, when we're tempted to give in, when we're tempted to say, oh, this calling, it's too difficult. It costs too much. It's too much of a sacrifice. The Lord then reminds us, remember how I revealed my glory to you. This is so important for the mission mobilization process. We're not just calling people who want to go to the unreached. We're calling people who have encountered God in a fresh way and who because of that encounter with God, they are able to endure and persevere and overcome all the challenges that will come uh, in this mission movement as we seek to fulfill the Great Commission. So my question for you is, do you regularly experience these kind of fresh revelations of God's greatness, of his glory, of what he's like? This isn't just a one-time thing. This, uh, I'm sure Isaiah had many divine encounters like this with God. They didn't necessarily make the word of God. They didn't make the canon of scripture because the Holy Spirit, uh, he, he, in his divine editing process, he edits the scripture. So, but I'm sure, I'm, I'm confident of it, that Isaiah, as well as all the other biblical characters, they had many divine encounters, many experiences with the risen God, with the risen living Christ that they could look back on many years uh, later and that would strengthen them. So it's not just a one-time affair. Maybe you've had an encounter like this. Praise the Lord. Ask God for more. I ask God all the Lord, I want to see you in your glory. I want to know you more and more and more. I ask God to do that. Now, I've had those encounters, sure. I've had those experiences. I have a little taste of that experiential knowledge of God and his greatness and in his glory. But I want more. I'm not content. So we constantly want to be asking God, give us more of those experiences. Now let's go into phase number two. This is verses three through 11. So God reveals to Isaiah his glory in verses one and two. And the next part of the response is unveiling God's holiness now. So in this next phase, verses three to seven, Isaiah sees God's holiness as it is. God is a holy, righteous God. It's a terrifying experience to be face to face with a holy God like Isaiah was. But we have to have this. If we don't have this, we will not ourselves be prepared. And then we cannot rightly preach the message of the gospel of the kingdom to the unreached so that they then are able to see God and his holiness, God and his, his terrifying glory and his terrifying holiness. So this is what is happening in phase two. So Isaiah then, as a result of seeing God and his holiness, he then comes face to face with his own fallenness. 
All of us have this same fallenness. It's the brokenness of humanity. It's the stench of sin, the depravity of our own, human, uh, of our own humanity before an awesome, holy, almighty God. This is what God is making evident through phase two in verses three to seven. So what Isaiah actually experienced in these verses was the, ter uh, the terror of his uh, experience with God. If God dealt with him in pure justice, what Isaiah is feeling and experiencing is what would be his lot. If God dealt with him in his, in his wrath, if God dealt with him in his pure justice, Isaiah recognized, I would be wiped out. And this is what we all also have to experience, that terror of apart from the grace and the kindness and the sacrifice and the cross of Christ himself, apart from this, God would have to deal with us in his wrath. We need to experience what that looks like, what that feels like apart from Christ. So this kind of recognition of our filthiness before a holy almighty God what happens as a result of this? It causes our hearts to well up with gratitude and worship. It causes us to go, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your resurrection power. Thank you for what you've done as the substitute, taking me and atoning for my sin before a holy God, taking my place. Lord, thank you for that. I don't deserve it. There's no way I can earn it. But you and your, your obedience and your love for me and for all of humanity, you have taken our, you've substituted, you've taken my place in that atonement. It's the glory of God. And so we need to experience that. And that causes gratitude and thanksgiving to arise. I talk with many believers and sometimes they act as if they somehow deserve God's grace. You don't deserve anything that God has given. It's all a free gift from God. We need to feel what it's like if God did not do that. If God did not send his son, what would our situation be like? What would our lot be like? It's a terrifying experience, but we need it. Because that's then what motivates us to pour our hearts out in repentance. To confess sin, not to, <clears throat> excuse me, not to justify sin, not to rationalize sin. How easy is it as born-again believers to kind of say, well, those guys over there are doing it, and those guys over there are doing it. So me playing games, flirting a little bit with sin, it's really not that big of a deal. The Lord says, no, I see it entirely different. It's a huge deal. You need to confess that. You need to repent for that because it cost my son everything because I'm a holy God. So we need to see our lot before a holy God, just like Isaiah did. And the reason for this is because we are so prone to compromise. We're so prone to complacency. We need to recognize these things and come regularly to God with a heart a poured out of repentance. Lord, have mercy on me. I did it again. Lord, I'm complacent again. I have this spiritual lethargy again. God, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Renew me. Revive me. The reason this is so important is because a generation that God wants to raise up to bless all of the unreached peoples, to bless the nations, must be a broken and a humble generation. They must recognize the nothingness of themselves in light of the preeminence of God. In light of the glory of God, 
excuse me, we look at ourselves and we go, we are nothing. We can do nothing apart from you, Lord Jesus. Now, genuine awakenings have always come on the heels of this kind of intensified repentance. We need a, way, a spiritual awakening in our day. And the way it will come is when we, like Isaiah, see God high and lifted up. And when we, like Isaiah, see God as the Holy One that He is, and then we pour out our hearts saying, God, we are sinners. Now, remember, Isaiah was a prophet at that time. He wasn't just a small, small boy. He wasn't some uh, just, you know, no-name person. He was a, at that time, even before officially being called as a prophet, he had a relationship with God. He had ministry experience. And yet God still reveals himself to him saying, you have sin in your life. You have things in your life you need to take care of. So this is very important as believers uh, that we recognize this as part of the process that God is bringing forth in mission mobilization. Now phase three, let's look at this. This is verse eight. So because of the first two phases, Isaiah is then prepared by God to respond to God's beautiful invitation. Who will go for us? That's the invitation that God gives. And through the revelation of the first two phases, the revelation of God's glory and then his holiness and then Isaiah responding correctly to his holiness, repenting and confessing of sin and then being cleansed. When that coal is brought to his lips, he's been cleansed of all of his filth, of all of his sin. He's now prepared by the hand of God himself to now be God's mouthpiece. That is what God is doing with the first two phases. He is helping us to become prepared as his very mouthpieces so that then in this phase three, we can respond to his question. Now God is asking the same question that he asked Isaiah 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago. He's asking us today that same question. Who will go for us? Who will go to the other side of maybe a city uh, in your country and find an unreached cultural group that is outside of a relevant hearing of the gospel? Who will maybe cross uh, to another city within your own nation? And then who will maybe go beyond the borders of your own nation? So Isaiah's response has much to teach us. Okay, what are some of the things that Isaiah's response in verse 8 teaches us? Now, before we jump into that, we need to remember what Isaiah was called to do. He was called to bring a message of harsh judgment to a people, Israel, who were rebellious, who were hard-hearted. He had a very difficult assignment in God that God was preparing him for. We also, in a very similar way, we have a difficult assignment in the Great Commission. This is not an easy task to reach all the unreached people groups for Christ and see a great global harvest take place among them to fulfill the great commission. And we have to do it in God's way and in God's power. Many try and do it in their own strength. And the Lord says, I cannot function. I, it will not work for you to go out on the great commission in your own strength. It will not work. It's a disastrous failure. So what Isaiah does is he commits voluntarily. He's not pressed 
into service. This is very important in mission mobilization. Sometimes we as mobilizers, we kind of feel like we got to beat people over the head to understand this missions thing so that they'll begin to care about it and they'll be activated in it. We can recruit them for our organizations. The Lord says, no, 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 that's not the kind of people I want. If you have to beat them over the head to understand this thing, they're not the right sort. Isaiah was not pressed into voluntary service. The hand of God did not force it upon him. Now, God did prepare him through many steps that we've already seen, these processes, but he willingly, even with joy, here am I, send me. It's enthusiastic. It's not this hard, like, oh, I'm gritting my teeth. I guess God is forcing me to do this. If I'm a good Christian, I guess I have to do this. No, God says, I'm not really interested in those kind of people. I'm interested in the type that are enthusiastic, willing, obedient, voluntary. Yes, maybe there's some fear there, but we overcome the fear. Maybe there's some costs that we have to count, of course. A little bit of sacrifice we have to recognize, of course. But at the end of the day, we say, but those things don't matter. I've seen God in his glory. I've seen the holiness of who he is. All of that is worth it for me to embrace the cost, for me to sacrifice. So Isaiah says this statement, here am I. Now this also implies a willingness to overcome great difficulties. He knows if I'm going to go forward in this calling, going to hard-hearted, rebellious Israel to preach an unpopular, harsh message, it's the same in the Great Commission that we have today, he knows and we know that's going to mean we're going to encounter hard hardship, difficulties, adversities, challenges. Now, too many people, I believe, who are called out in the Great Commission as one of these Isaiah types, they often shy away because they look at the difficulties. They look at the tough stuff. They look at the adversity. They look at the challenges and they say, ah, there's too much of that. I think I'm going to just stay in my comfortable little Christian uh, experience and somehow God will, you know, he'll reach all those unreached peoples. He'll find another way. He'll find another person. And it's true. He will find other people. But you, you will miss out on the great reward that's connected. You will miss out on the great glory that is connected to serving with God in this way. So we need to be willing to encounter and to overcome uh, some difficulties that might come our way. And Isaiah uh, had this in a significant way. So God is seeking to raise up message bearer teams in our day today who are going to embrace what appears to be impossible. They look at impossible. Uh, I love Numbers, the book of Numbers, where we find this experience of Joshua and Caleb. You remember? The 12 spies that were sent in to spy out the promised land and to bring back a report. 12 of them went. 12 came back with a report. 10 of them had a negative report. Only two saw the same negative things that the other 10 saw. But instead of looking through the eyes of impossibility, they saw all the hindrances. They saw all the challenges through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of seeing the God who's glorious, who's high and lifted up as Isaiah saw, and then saying, there's nothing impossible with God. We can arise. We can uh, overcome these challenges because God is greater than those impossible challenges. That is the kind of believer that God is wanting to raise up in our day. And as we, as mobilizers, look 
to mobilize this generation for the fulfillment of the Great Commission, we have to call those who are like Isaiah, who have experienced the same kind of process, and who then go forth in faith and radical devotion to say there's nothing impossible for God. We can see the Muslim world reach for Christ. We can see the Buddhist world reach for Christ. We can see all the unreached people groups reach and, and church planting movements by the thousands raised up to see a great harvest among all these peoples. But it's only, it's only through those who have gone through this same process. I call it a blueprint. The blueprint for true mobilization is the Isaiah 6 process. Amen? I want to pray for us as we close. Father, I thank you that you are raising up mobilizers who will call a generation, Lord, to experience the same kind of process that Isaiah went through in Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 6. Lord, we thank you for that, that you are shaping people, even right now. You are forming people, Lord, with this high and exalted uh, vision of Christ. Lord, forgive us. Have mercy on your global church for the low uh, concepts that we have of God, of who you are, of what your essence is, of what your glory is like. Lord, how can we fulfill this great commission that you've given to your church if we have such a low viewpoint of who you are and what you're like? Lord, change us that we would see you in your glory, that we would see you in your holiness. You're a holy God, Lord, and you require uh, a holy people who are walking in repentance, a broken people, a humble people. Lord, empower us as mobilizers to call your church to experience you in these ways. Lord, so that when you are calling millions of people, when you, the whole Trinity is saying, who will go for us to the unreached? Lord, millions are being prepared to say with Isaiah, here am I, send me. Lord, we ask for that. We thank you that you are doing that process. We glory in you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you today. To listen to more Mission Mobilization Chats, subscribe on YouTube or go to globalmmi.net.